Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's largest mortgage lender. Spring will be here soon, so if buying a new home is on your to-do list, right now is the time to call Quicken Loans. Learn about which mortgage options make sense for you and get a jump on your competition. With our exclusive Rate Shield approval, the low rate you lock today is protected for up to 90 days while you shop for your new home. With a Rate Shield approval, if rates go up, your low rate stays locked. But if rates go down, you get that new, even lower rate. Either way, you win. Talk to us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com to take advantage. Here's another great reason to work with us. For a record nine years in a row, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Again, to lock in today's low mortgage interest rate and get the security of our exclusive rate shield approval, call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. For J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Thoughts of suicide may feel impossible to overcome, but with help and support, you can find hope and meaning. Call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK to speak to a counselor or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. It's free. It's confidential. It's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And even if it feels like it, you're not alone. Join in every two weeks for your break from the political talk and get some entertainment news on your platter as a distraction. Ordy Packard and Brad Slager get together every fortnight to go over some of the newest information coming out in the entertainment complex. So whether it's movies, television, streaming, even publication, maybe even cocktails, they will cover it and guide you through the newer offerings and your entertainment options for the coming weekend. So... Every two weeks, join us here at KLRN on The Culture Shift. I'm Little Teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle and here is my spout. No, that, like this. When I get all steamed up, then I shout, tip me over and pour me out. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Roman Reigns. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. And welcome to Thursday and to a 
brand new year happy 2021 out there everybody this is disasters in the making and i am brad slaker i'm an entertainment writer number of outlets and we are going to take you on a venture to the dark side of hollywood to the grimy dirty side of movies and motion pictures as we do every two weeks here We've been off for the holiday break. We took the month of December off, some of it unforced, some of it forced, but we are back for the new year. And joining me, as always, venturing into the muck and mire of Tinseltown is Paul Young from ScreenRat.com. Paul, how is everything? How was your holiday? How was your new year? My new year was pretty good there, Brad. I, uh, I spent it away from the house, up there with some family, and... Uh, you know, a good time was had by all. Christmas was good. Ate too many cookies, drank too much milk. Sort of became a uh, <laughs> sort of became a small miniature Santa, if you will. And now I'll be spending well, the next the eleven going. months trying to. I'll be spending the next eleven months trying to work off all that milk and cookie. Well, at least you immersed yourself properly in the holiday. That's good to hear. I was. Uh... Pretty only oriented myself the whole time. It seemed like every day there was something going on with some aspects of family that uh, by the time New Year's rolled around, there was a chance to take a trip across the state and go see some more family. I begged off. I decided uh, I'd spend 2021 in silence, and it was quite uh, quite glorious, I got to say. Are you saying that there is such thing as too much family? Um, Not too much, maybe too loud, because... Uh, oh. When it uh, when it comes to the members of my clan, there's no shortage of oxygen. Let's say. Let me. Okay, so I will, I will back you up on that way. My sister for, uh, came down from Missouri, and she's just adopted two little girls, and uh, and she already has one of the age of eight herself. So she brought three under the age of eight with her. My brother has uh, two under the age of eight, and. My other sister has one under the age of eight. So we had six under the age of eight. Yikes. I all feel you. Together. Yeah, we were all looking for a place to not be around people under the age of eight. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely <laughs> sounds like mine. Yeah, we've, we've got the magic over here that anytime there's four or more of them getting together, it means four or more of them are going to talk at the same time. And then we have children racing around hyper and loud at the same time, so yeah, by the time December 30 and 31st came, I was like, you know what? I could do this alone, and I think I might be happy, and I was. It went very well. So It's like uh, it's like having a bunch of Congress people together. When one starts talking, the other one feels it needs to talk louder in order to be heard. <laughs> yes, it was, a, it was a welcome hiatus on my side. and uh, Like Congress currently, I decided to adjourn for a few days, and it worked out quite well. Well, since we avoided the holiday entirely, it seems, Paul and I thought it'd be a good idea just to maybe do a reach back this week and kind of um, kind of bring forth one last nod of the holiday, one last piece of tinsel to send us off with on the new year. Brown and tinsel. It, yeah, this is a it's very crinkled, grimy a little bit. It's it's not a pretty holiday venture that we're going to be taking you on here. But it is a brand new one. This is a film that has not been seen by anybody prior to this holiday. It's a, I guess you could say it's a new slant on on the holiday. It's called Fat Man. And that's one word, by the way, 
What did you say about me? No, 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 no. I've, I'm oh. actually turning on the content now. I've stopped. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's okay. Understandable. I can get a little abrasive at times. But yes, this is a, it's not Fat Man. So it's not a documentary about the bomb that was dropped on Nagasaki. And it's not a adaptation of the television show Jake and the Fat Man. No, this is, I guess you could call it Fat Man. Yeah, <laughs> it's, Fat Man. It's maybe the right, proper way to pronounce it. But this is a, it's a new take on the Chris... Kringle mythos, I guess you could say. It's uh, maybe a contemporary reading on it. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think so. They kept, they tried very hard to make it seem as this, if he was a ancient Santa and living in a modern world and, and a mortal person, if you will. I don't know. I, to it was weird. It was weird. Yeah, this is. It's a little bit difficult maybe to pin down tonally because I kind of understand where they were going with this, what they wanted to do, but it wasn't an entire hit. You know, they, I think the dart maybe landed on the board, but one of the lower numbers. Yeah, they. I understood what it is they were attempting to do, but I, I think they rent for the wrong crowd. They They desperately wanted this movie for whatever reason to be rated R. But it was not a rated R type of content. You no, know, it didn't Santa, really feel like it. Santa wasn't making porn, or you no. know, he he wasn't running around killing people with a machete. It's not like it was Krampus where they made a you know a dark comedy about it. There was no dark comedy. It was just kind of they just threw in some cussing to like make it rated R. It didn't make sense. Yeah, there's it, it's kind of like you get a feeling for what they. They wanted to do, but they didn't quite land the punches that they wanted to. The the story behind this is that it, it's a pair of brothers do all of it together. They actually even do the for some reason. They do the editing as well. <laughs> I don't understand if there's maybe something with the guilds involved or such, but uh, they are a brother, brother team at this. It's Isham Nelms and Ian Nelms are their name. And this is a script that they wrote 14 or 15 years ago. Yeah, they shopped it around for a while. They did. This um, this was like their, their initial work, and they were you know, kind of toying around with filmmaking themselves, probably with some digital cams and such, and they sat down and decided to write this script. And this was like their, you know, if you want to almost say it, uh, their Ben Affleck, Matt Damon moment. You know, they, they thought they had, this script was theirs. <laughs> this, is, this is going to take them to the greatness. And it's a little bit of a funny story they tell, because they did shop this around quite a bit. They went knocking on doors at studio after studio, and they said that, they got a tremendous amount of interest and yet nobody wanted to pull the string and green like this. <laughs> They're just like, wow, that's an interesting script. Good luck with it. <laughs> so they are and primarily it was probably because they were like complete neophytes when it came to film. They've, uh, I think when they were shopping this, they said they had only produced two short films 
and the brothers came out of Southern California, like outside of L.A. But curiously enough, their two short films played not too far away from me at the Palm Beach Film Festival. Oh, did it? For a couple of years. Kind of a Yeah, it was like five or ten minute shorts. And I guess they got some accolades, you know, maybe Best New Director Awards or something. You know, because film festivals tend to do that. They try to give out as many trophies as possible so people have bragging rights going forward. But this did get them a little bit of notice. It at least, I guess, cracked open some doors for them. So at that point, they went back to shopping this script around, I guess. And they even told a story where one producer said to them, well, okay, yeah, I, I get what you're doing here. And it's really sounding cool, but your last two films cost about five grand. Why am I going to pitch $20 million at your venture? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it it kind of makes sense. And that's, uh, it's funny to me because Hollywood is not really known for its economic pragmatism like that. Well, unless it's the um, Rakowskis, they don't they don't have any pragmatism for them at all. You need two hundred twenty million dollars to make a movie about a space cat. Done. Here you go. Make a movie about a space. Yeah. Cat. Yeah. See, um, our movie we have a dog that can fly with boots in space, and that's going to be our story, and that's what we're going with. Well, let's. Uh, I think we have a dump truck of cash out in the park. Yeah, go ahead. Take the keys. That's yours. Go. Yeah, that's that's usually Hollywood. So when I hear a story like this where they don't want to drop $20 million on a Mel Gibson film, huh. well, probably because Gibson wasn't attached at the time, too, so that could be a factor. But they, um, they actually said they were picturing Mel Gibson in the role because they went to some film festival with one of his movies, one of his major motion pictures, and they said at the time he was bearded, he was kind of beat up because of the production and he's on the promo tour. So he was really kind of just gruff and grumpy and gray, which is exactly what they imagined. And so they started to send the script out to all kinds of big names, including Bell. And they said they actually got an email back from him that did not have his name attached to it <laughs> somehow. What? <laughs> Yeah, it was um, you know, pretty much they just said, oh, man, Mel is perfect for this. So they've sent it out to him and a whole you know host of other actors. They probably shopped this thing out to like three dozen different people or something. And they get this email from him and it basically said, hey, I really uh, was interested in this. Let's do some jaw wagging and go over this. So let's do a chin wag. And they said he didn't sign it. There was no name on the email tag itself. So he was just like, okay, that sounds interesting. Can't wait to meet you. Who is this? I'm like, oh, Mel Gibson. How'd you not know? Yeah, he's like, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, this is Mel. And then the two of them are like high-fiving and hugging in the living room at that point. You're like, we got him. Holy crap. So, so yeah, Mel Gibson has agreed to play Santa Claus in Fat Man at this point in time. Um, kind of a curious development, you could say, but it, it worked out for him somehow. So they they get his name, basically, and everything falls into place, of course. And then they get their funding, and then they get a pretty impressive cast for this. Gotta say. Yeah, I mean... Marine Jean, uh, Marianne Jean Baptiste is an excellent actress, 
and oh, yeah. Walter Gro- Walter Goggins is well. I mean, everybody knows who he is. He's he's fantastic. Though I hate that in this movie they named him Skinny Man as the antithesis of Fat Man, but they made it well, two words instead of one. Oh, this is true, didn't they? It's uh, yeah, that hmm. So it's not Skinny Man. <laughs> Skinnyman would have been great if his last name had been Skinnyman. That would have been awesome, but they did <laughs> yes. not do that. But um, oh well, it worked though. They they drew him in there. So, yeah. and I do got to say this: there's a there's a twelve year old in this, the actor. He's great for the role. You know, he's he's one of those unsettling kids you see in movies, you know, when they're like in that 10 or 12 year old range, but they pretty much act and behave like an adult. Yeah. You can, um, you, you feel as if at any moment he could become some sort of serial killer. Yep. Or if he, if he, if he isn't already, he will be. He, he pretty much plays this like a 12 year old corrupt CEO of a corporation. He just has that attitude where he'd walk in a room and just fire somebody because they gave him the stink eye or something, you know, it's like, dude, but uh, he's kind of the ancillary character that motivates everything that happens. So he's he's pretty good, uh, fair fair character to have in this. And he's pretty well performed. I got to give the kid credit. He, uh, he both disturbed me and pissed me off, which I think is what he was going for. So, well, so hats off to him. So, we're digging all this up. They get everything set. They have to go shoot this, of course, in Canada on the cheap where, um, you know, they have a quasi North pole setting. Now don't expect anything opulent going on here. Like the Santa Claus or Fred Claus or anything. You're not going to get this like palatial cartoonish movie set. (laughs) It's not what we're involved here. Santa drives around in a beat up 30 year old pickup truck. And, Mm -hmm. His, but it's red, you know, to keep it consistent. Yeah, I mean, at least there's, you know, a few nods of that nature. But yeah, his his workshop, such as it is, is almost like an underground warehouse bunker. It's uh, kind of dingy inside. It's not really, you know, appointed now, or decorated or anything of the sort. I feel as if maybe we're giving the listeners a, or doing them a disservice by not just starting right off and giving a brief rundown of the synopsis for this film just so they have an expectation of what to you know what they're in for right right i mean because when you explained when you just briefly put it together and you explain it to just a regular person that hasn't seen the movie they look at you as if you're an idiot yeah yeah that's i've I've gotten that look from a few people including my own family when i started to describe it Mm -hmm. so um Basically, here is the, the slug line, if you want, for the film. Uh, Mel Gibson is playing Chris. <clears throat> Chris uh, Kringle, I believe, is his last name. And he uh, he's very haggard, very withered-looking, not, not too fat, and uh, seemingly down on his luck. He's kind of uh, struggling a bit. He's um, partnered with the government to keep holiday cheer at a certain level to maintain enough economic activity in the country that's starting to fall by the wayside and he's starting to struggle in the operation maybe even on the verge of shutting down because kids kids are too bad kids have become too bad in the country that nobody deserves presents 
So they're not producing enough presence to make enough cheer. Yes. And, uh, you know, I mean, when you got kids tossing bowling balls off of bridges at cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's going to get you on the darker list in Santa's and as, file. And as a result, Santa's entire, or I'm sorry, Chris's entire operation <laughs> is at Jeopardy because he can't pay his bills. Yeah, the um, the government the, is shortchanging him on his contract payments because he's not meeting quotas that they had agreed upon. And the main motivation behind this film of the film's protagonist is that he cannot pay his bills. <laughs> Santa apparently has bills and he can't Which pay is them. A nice departure because usually we get the treacly message of uh, Christmas being too commercialized, and here. <laughs> It's not commercialized enough, and Santa's missing his quarterly no, no, nut. He's not able to, uh, not able to hit his number. And he's not making the checks that he's supposed to. So, uh, as he's down on his luck, he has to strike a new deal with the military complex, so that uh, his shop and his uh, diminutive workers can start cranking out some military hardware. <laughs> and in the yep. meantime. Oh no! It's not just any type of hardware. Santa and his his elves now make fighter jets. Well, it was a uh, it was components of the fighter jets. Oh, was the it? I thought it was the whole. I thought it was the whole jet. No, I think they they had to make the. Uh, I, they they described it at one point. It was um, briefly. They didn't go into too much detail. Um, I did notice this too, though. They said they, they had to make these parts for the F-63 fighter jet, except when all of the uh, military trucks are coming in and delivering the hardware and crates, it all said F-93. So that's to, that's to keep it keep it hush-hush. I guess. Maybe it was a misdirection for uh, classified purposes. We don't know, but... Uh, in the process of this, you know, Kringle is kind of, uh, you know, wrestling with things. Should he go this route completely or should he do it part-time? Meanwhile, we get a scene where young Billy, this is the young protagonist of the film, he basically is uh, desperate with getting a blue ribbon at the science fair and comes in second place. He's already got four blue ribbons. You'd think this kid would be a little bit satisfied? No. He's he's that type A. So he he basically starts to lash out. We'll get into those details in a bit, but uh, his classmate. But as a result, lands on a naughty list, gets himself a nice chunk of coal for Christmas, and this leads him to take out a hit on Santa. Yep. He takes out a hit on Santa. <laughs> so, so, to, there. so to so to briefly recap, kids are bad. Santa can't can't make Christmas happen. He can't pay Santa's his bills. <laughs> he take he takes on a government contract to build airplane parts. Gives cold to a, tw- a snotty twelve year old who then hires a hitman, who agrees to take the hit mm-hmm. to find Santa. Because he, too, hates Santa because he didn't get what he wanted one year. Because, as it turns out, what he wanted one year was for his father not to die. So, yes. there you have it. That's what they paid $20 million for. <laughs> that's what 
that's what took somebody 12 years. I'm surprised it took at 12 years. I, they should have green light, green lit that sucker right at the beginning. Yeah, this is it's a, a Nickelodeon. Uh, it's a Nickelodeon script, is what it is. Damn, and that's that was, what. And that's what. If they had gone full fun bags with it, and just tried to make it ridiculously silly, uh, you know, more like Home Alone style type of comedy, but throw a Joe Pesci in there instead of Walter Goggins. Somebody make it more comedy based. I think it becomes a better movie. But because they tried to go this full gritty Santa with this really silly story, it doesn't work. Now, I got people at work. We argued about this after they watched it and I watched it. I'm like, this is just a stupid movie. It was dumb. They're like, no, this was great. I enjoyed it. I'm like, well, then you like dumb movies. I mean, it's okay to like dumb movies. Just admit that it was dumb. No, no, it was pretty good. I said, well, you're dumb then. Sorry, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's... um... You know, it's like I said, I, I, this is one of those films I wanted to like. And once I saw the whole premise, I was like, oh, man, if, if they hit this correctly, it would be pretty enjoyable. And yes. the, you've got you know, the, the talent. The talent was there. The setup is there. The cast is perfect for it. I was like, oh, man, yeah. I mean, you got Goggins as the hitman. Gibson is the crotchety Santa. Boom, I'm on board. And then it just kind of... Spins its wheels for a while, I guess you could say, is what happened. So it's, um, you know, we we basically get introduced to Chris, and he never really come out and say he's de facto Santa until about 20 or 30 minutes in. It's always, you know, there's always like a little bit of a nod, a little bit of a hint. Yeah, like he sits down at a bar and says, give me a Johnny Carson, and it's whiskey and milk. Get out of here. Oh, and Alka-Seltzer. Oh, and Al- that's what it was. It was milk and Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> or was it, Wils- it was whiskey and Alka-Seltzer, wasn't it? Yeah, so in, in a, not in a glass, but a shot glass. Ridiculous. That's that's going to be a bitter swallow, I got to tell you. <laughs> Dude, they, they take the whole military aspect out and him not being able to pay his bills. Why does Santa have bills? If they just take that aspect out of it completely, it's. I think it, even if they try to make it dark, just make it dark Santa versus a dark 12-year-old who wants to kill him with a hitman. There's your movie. That's your rated R, probably very enjoyable style movie. But but adding this extra nonsense didn't work for me at all. Yeah, the um, the weird thing is they already had him positioned with the government. You know, like he's a contract worker with the feds. But on top of that, then they had to roll in the military complex for some reason. It didn't really click, but... I guess it was going to bail him out, but it doesn't really connect to the whole taking the hit on Santa subplot or anything else, really. So, and then they, the, well, and they try to make the the military and the government be, and they, and I'm not saying they're not. The military is pretty much a big pile of crap, and they try to take advantage of of the a bad situation by telling Santa, well, if you don't meet your your goals, then we're going to, have to pull all of our funding. But you can do this to make up for it. They kind of like strong arm you into a into a corner to get him to make stuff. Like, is it that hard to get people to make airplane parts? I mean, I'm fairly confident people want the work. If you want to go out there and have it done. I'm really sure what the appeal for the military was either. Like, why would they go to Santa to have these high tech military components created in his warehouse? 
Maybe they can. I thought about that too. Only thing I can think of is that maybe the elves can make things quicker and on a, a mass level. Also, you've got the logistics of getting the parts up there, then getting the completed component shipped back. It's like, I'm trying to get on board here, but I'm trying to follow this. I mean, I did. Nope. I, I kind Nobody of ever accused it was a the government of, of being efficient, Brad. No, true, true. There was probably some kickbacks and other uh, family contract plays involved here, too, I'm sure. You know, it's probably the general's brother or something probably had a shipping company and got uh, got a nice wad for bringing everything up there. I'm sure that's how it worked. Or a senator's son. What? No, that never happens. Come on, Paul. Fake news. I'm not going to stand for it on this show. <laughs> but I, I liked when they had at least they, – they were giving the nods to Santa or Chris, I should say. Like he's sitting in a bar in the – there's a guy sitting next to him hitting on the barmaid and, you know, he just looks at him. He's like, come on, Mike, aren't the kids home with the wife? And they're waiting on you. Go, you know, pound sand, hit the truck. I'll buy your beer and, you know, ruins it for the girl. Cause he knows everybody. And, and it was kind of a cool touch, but they never expanded on it. That was the no, only because, time. because it was clear that the woman knew and didn't care herself. So I guess he's her guardian Santa. Because she even makes the comment, oh, did you run him off again? I know, but if I don't pick this, then I got nothing. Well, he doesn't like, it's not like a, a a Hallmark film where they set her up with somebody better at the end of the movie. No, no. It was... he, just, he just keeps her from getting some and then leaves. <laughs> yeah, he got basically, Santa she's easy and uh, he keeps cock blocking her, I guess you could say. Yeah, he got, Santa, he got, he got old Santa blocked. <laughs> Elf blocking, we'll call it. <laughs> keep it family friendly if you can so yeah that, that was going on all, all while he's you know constantly rubbing his hands and trying to figure things out so <clears throat> yeah we're we're getting into this now when they introduce Goggins character the skinny man um, you know he's doing a job and the kid at one point calls him to go deal with the classmate that actually won the science fair so they you know rope her up in the basement and they force her to rescind her trophy and say she cheated so he can get his ribbon. But, you know, basically this is all to set up the fact that Billy has Walter Goggins on speed dial. And no no scruples. You might be asking, where's a 12 year old getting all the money to hire somebody of this nature? Well, he's grifting off of his ailing grandmother whom he lives with. He brings her milk. He plays the sweet and, you know, adorable, doting grandson. Here's your milk, Grandma. Oh, Billy, you're just so sweet and precious. And then he turns around, goes in her room, and starts cutting checks because he forges her signature. And Traces he lives, it. He lives the high life as a result here, scamming his ailing grandmother. <laughs> Billy's a little bit of a dark one. And uh, Let's just say it. Billy's a dick. <laughs> yes, he's... He's going to grow up to be, uh, you know, probably the president of a douche frat house on campus someday and uh, torment everybody going forward as a CEO. It's just in his genes. So we um, I guess we meet, you could say, Walter Goggins, a skinny man in his office and a guy comes in with a baseball bat. He wants to sell it. But this isn't a pawn shop. 
Stupid. He he rolls the bat to him, and Walter puts on some white gloves, and he's looking at it underneath a uh, you know lit up scope so he can inspect it closely. Finds at the base of the bat, there's a small plaque that says "Made in Santa's Workshop." How was he the only one in the entire world to ever see that? Well, good question. Fine question, actually. And I have another follow-up question. Is, uh, this, is this actually Walter Goggins' job? Like, he has a shop set up for people to bring in the presents they got his children and buys them? I mean... <laughs> it's like a walk-in eBay. How do you set this up as... As an enterprise, like you still got your toys from when you were ten years old, thirty years ago. Bring them in; we'll pay cash. It's what? Again, how does nobody else know this? The the scene itself was interesting, but it's like, wait a second, what brought this guy in in the first place? And it's not like it was a one-off because he haggles with him. He ends up buying the bat after all. He had a pretty cool line too, where he starts getting into pricing. He's like, well, what do you think your childhood dream is worth? <laughs> and, you know, the guy wants a few thousand to send to get a space camp and Goggins like 900, no haggling, 900. That's it. <laughs> he buys a bat for 900 damn dollars. Yeah. Uh, why? Um, yeah. It, and the thing is, he gets it, wraps it in plastic, and he got his own, like, miniature warehouse. It's almost like where they stored the uh, Ark of the Covenant, but it's all his possessions. So he's got a very big collection of Santa Workshop toys he's bought off people. So, yes, this is his side venture. When he's not a hitman, he's a pawn shop for toys. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I Exactly. That's and that's kind of the problem with what they've done with the story is it, there's a lot of guessing going on. Like you're yeah. not, you're just supposed to accept the fact that certain things are happening, but you don't understand why. Yeah, and um, here's the thing: I'm the kind of guy that wants to love this kind of movie because it's screwy and off the wall and everything else. But I'm also the type of guy that asks these questions, and they don't want these questions asked in this film. It's just like, no, he buys these toys, puts them on a shelf, just go with it. It no, needs to make some sort of sense. Yeah. It, it, I mean, if you're going to tell me this is a hitman with a Santa obsession, I need something to ground that sentiment. You know, I need something organic that I can hang on to. <laughs> if that makes any damn sense. <laughs> well, and I, I need it to make sense, right? You have to give me something that makes some sort of sense. Yeah, and exactly. you're not giving me that. I mean, I'm totally, you know, I bought the ticket. I'm strapping in. I mean, I want to go on this ride, but you know, I need a seatbelt. I need something to 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 keep me here. But uh, we'll we'll delve a little bit deeper. But uh, in the meantime, we are at the bottom, so we should probably take our break here. I'll uh, let everybody get up and stretch. You can head out and go get some free refills. It's all outside for you. So load up, and in two and a half minutes, head on back. We will continue with Mel Gibson in Fat Man. Fat Man. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. 
The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's largest mortgage lender. Spring will be here soon. So if buying a new home is on your to-do list, right now is the time to call Quicken Loans. Learn about which mortgage options make sense for you and get a jump on your competition. With our exclusive rate shield approval, the low rate you lock today is protected for up to 90 days while you shop for your new home. With a rate shield approval, if rates go up, your low rate stays locked. But if rates go down, you get that new, even lower rate. Either way, you win. Talk to us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com to take advantage. Here's another great reason to work with us. For a record nine years in a row, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Again, to lock in today's low mortgage interest rate and get the security of our exclusive rate shield approval, call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. For J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Thoughts of suicide may feel impossible to overcome. But with help and support, you can find hope and meaning. Call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK to speak to a counselor or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. It's free. It's confidential. It's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And even if it feels like it, you're not alone. Join in every two weeks for your break from the political talk and get some entertainment news on your platter as a distraction. Ordy Packard and Brad Slager get together every fortnight to go over some of the newest information coming out in the entertainment complex. So whether it's movies, television, streaming, even publication, maybe even cocktails, they will cover it and guide you through the newer offerings and your entertainment options for the coming weekend. So... Every two weeks, join us here at KLRN on The Culture Shift. I'm Little Teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle and here is my spout. No, no, like this. When I get all steamed up, then I shout, tip me over and pull me out. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Roman Reigns. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. All right, and welcome back. Everybody take your seats. We are on the second half of our venture here. We're doing Mel Gibson's new Christmas adventure, Fat Man. Fat Man. One of the two. Basically, it's fat and man. It's put together in one word. It doesn't really matter. You'll be able to find it when you go looking for it. It's out on uh, video and Amazon Prime, Net. No, I don't about Netflix. It may not be there yet, but it's definitely at Redbox. They'll do that as well. So, yeah, we've got a grumpy, cantankerous, down-on-his-luck Santa working with the government 
And meanwhile, we have a hitman who's been gearing up for Santa, I guess, all of his life. And then, I don't know, Paul, when, when Billy calls him up to actually go after Santa, we don't really get that big a reaction out of him. No, because they they have led us to believe that he, too, has a grudge against Santa and is and basically when he kidnaps that little girl, takes her down into the basement of this grandma's house so that this kid can scare her with fear tactics and and uh, and then drops her back off at her own home. We've already learned that he has no scruples and will, is basically willing to do anything right. He's the. He's the Bruce Willis or the Nicolas Cage of Hitman. He will do anything for a paycheck. True. And, yeah. and so he doesn't. Path. Yeah. So he doesn't even try to act as if he, he doesn't even think of not think about it. He's just like, okay, I'll do it. But at the same time, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, you know, like he's doing a hit. He's in a house with, you know, gun drawn on two people and he takes the phone call and he's like, hang on, I'm at work right now. Then he goes outside and he's like, writes in his book, yeah, I can do that. And boom, we got the girl in the basement. But they've already established the skinny man as someone with this Santa obsession. So it felt like, you know, okay, Billy gets his cold. He's out in the snow screaming about it. I want vengeance. And, you know, and the next thing he does, he calls up Walter Goggins and says, all right, you know, here's your job. I expected at least a reaction. I thought he would be like, wow, my whole life has come to this, and now the job has come in, and now I can go after He was like, hey, it's going to be tough, but okay, I, I, I could do it. And that's our payoff. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess maybe his Thorzine kicked in or something. I, I don't know. I, I just expected, like, more. And then that kind of sums up the whole movie. You know, it's like you kept waiting for like, okay, here we go. This is going to happen, right? It, it's going to happen, right? And it, you know, never really does. the The entire second act of this is just kind of activity. There, there's not really stuff going on. You know, like he he goes to the mailbox and he's you know waiting for his checks from the government, and then he agrees to do the job. Okay, so they start kind of manufacturing. Meanwhile, we're on the road with Walton Goggins and his hamster as he's traveling the north looking for the North Pole. He's up in the reaches of Canada and he makes his way to Alaska eventually. And Mel's Chris is building up his business. And it's that that's like the movie, though. It's just stuff. We're not really going anywhere. No, the yeah. things are just there. And and truthfully, uh, Marianne uh, Jean Baptiste is criminally underused in her yes. in her role. Like she could have been. Uh, yes, she is a little bit of, of his rock. It keeps him where he's supposed to be. And she gets kind of a scene at the end that's okay. That's cool. But mm-hmm. she really could have been more of a driving force, more of a factor here. They they changed how Santa runs his operation to such a degree that it doesn't make sense that Mrs. Claus wouldn't be more involved in the day to days. Instead, they they make her more uh, traditional, right? She's 
she, she does all this. She's literally making cookies for him and right. giving him milk thermoses or whatever and, and knitting, sitting in front of a, a knitting a blanket for their bed. And like they yeah. just made her so traditional that she stood out as not fitting in to this other world that they were trying desperately to create. Do you get that? Yeah, I mean, she's just like a, she's like the doting wife. You know, she's always there for him, but. Which is when, fine. That makes yeah. sense. But the thing is, you brought in this actress who's established. I mean, she's been in everything from, you know, the fugitive to major police dramas on television. I mean, she's a fixture. When she's on screen, you're like, hey, there, look what it is. And Here's she's some cookies. good. Yeah. But she is good. They, they just have her, yeah, making cookies and knitting and stuff. Like she. <laughs> If you had a lesser actress, I think it would have been better. But, you know, it, it's like you're bringing in your home run hitter to bunt. And it just, it's like, wait, what are you thinking? What? No, it's more like you're bringing in your home run hitter to take the hit. Just take take the pitch and, and get just get on base. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's underused is just the only way to describe it. I mean, she's good in the role. She does work with what she can, but she's just not giving material. Well, and so does Gibson. And that's sort of like the, I guess the major problem with this film is all four major characters in the film do as much as they possibly can with the, with the roles they're given. Mm -hmm. They're just not given enough to do. And the stuff that they are given to do is just, flaccid it's pedestrian i mean you know like we're watching him pick up his mail setting up shop talking to his workers you know we do get a whole bunch of elves but they're all kind of dressed in just drab clothing and really they just look like workers nothing more i mean yeah. it was kind of a rise scene when the government was the when the military was setting up operations and they made them step up and put their foot on a box because they had to cut the bells off their shoes because of the metal detectors. That was kind of funny, but it's like, there. okay, that that's something. Let, let's go with more of that stuff. Yeah. No. But again, that's, that is slapstick style humor that would have fit if they were making a more of a PG 13 or PG movie for, you know, like in the vein of something Robert Rodriguez would put out right now. Mm hmm. It didn't fit that comedy did not fit with anything else that they had produced up to that point. It was a it's a very dark movie. And here they are cutting bells off and you're getting this this sight gag and you're like, uh, why do I why should, I would be laughing my butt off if this was something else, but it's not. So what are you doing? Yeah, and then you know, Goggins has to go to a pet shop to get some supplies for his hamster. And it was like that that scene just stuck out to me for some reason. <laughs> yeah, because it didn't make any sense of why he was there. Why does he have a pet hamster? Because yeah, he's weird? And, okay. And Give him know, a weird pet, not a hamster pet. But he's traveling on the road with this thing. It sits on the seat next to him, and he looks down at it, and I don't know, the hamster looked depressed or something. So he goes to a pet shop. So he buys it a wheel, buys it a, a hammock, and then the pet shop owner keeps insisting that he's more of a reptile guy. No, I'm not. You remind me of my mother, and she didn't listen to me either. And it's like... Is this going anywhere? <laughs> or are we just watching him shop? No, we're just we're just watching him shop. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> he's a he's a cranky guy at a Canadian pet store. And it doesn't have they don't do much else with with that that thought, right? Like I don't recall the hamster showing up anywhere else in the movie. Well, they they had a little bit of a payoff 
at the end where it ended up in their house. The hamster ended up in his house? Yeah, it was... Um, I must not have cared about this movie so much that I didn't notice that. It, it's tough to care. Yeah, it is. But it was like um, right before the last scene, you know, when they went to go see Billy, it was they did like a pan shot where it was on the hamster box and then it panned a little bit more and then you saw her in the kitchen making something up and you're like, wait, is, which we'll get to. Don't want to spoil alert our own show. But yeah, it, it, it was like <laughs> one of the final payoffs. It was like, oh, they got the hamster. Okay, they got the hamster. That's, that's pretty much it. It was that was the payoff. <laughs> uh, wow. Big, wow, wow, wow! Big, big through run there. But yeah, the, so much of this movie is Mel setting up shop and Goggins traveling on the road. You know, they even had a montage where it's like every ten seconds it cuts to him in a different part of the country listening to a different music. Okay, got it. He's traveling. Picked up on it. That got that too. Which is ironic because while they're doing this, the movie itself is really going nowhere. And oh, see there, see what I did? That's called creativity. Something this movie was lacking. But eventually, <laughs> he gets to a segment of the country or Alaska or such where he can get close enough and figure out sort of, kind of, maybe where the North Pole is at and drift his way over. He gears up. He gets all his stuff. We finally get to something that approximates a climax to the movie, then, where the skinny man makes it to the fat man compound. And I got to tell you. It's, With a lot uh, of ammo. Yeah. he Because, again, we had another shopping scene where he was at a, a supply store, and he was grousing. He didn't like any of the camo jackets. Yeah, this one's got too many sticks. Ah, oh, crap, this one's brown. Ah, stupid green. Green is the dumbest color ever. Yeah, because when you're buying camo, you don't want green. You definitely don't want green for camo. And well, not, uh, and, well he was in the he was in the winter time, so. I will, but yeah, yeah, I'll grant him that. But he didn't say it was stupid for this time of year. He just said it's a stupid color. <laughs> got it. So, it, it, it's apparently a big reveal where he turns he sees a mannequin wearing a white jacket and he turns to the store owner and says that one that's the one i want so you're the uh, one i want apparently they have the jacket on a mannequin but they don't have it on the sales rack mm. I, I think that's the takeaway there but again we had another scene of him shopping goggin shopping that's that could have been the subtitle of this film so, yeah, he gets outfitted. He's got a ski mask. He's got this thick ski parka that's white with black accents. He's got his weapons. He's got everything else that he needs to breach the compound. Because now the military, of course, they have checkpoints and armed guards on snowmobiles. They've got this place completely covered. And it takes Goggins all about five minutes to to breach them and get onto the compound itself. Yeah, well, you know, it, that is uh, actually probably close to real life based on what we saw at the Capitol yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> I can't complain too much about this when uh, they couldn't even seal up one of the most important buildings in the entire country. So, yeah, I guess maybe a snowy outpost would be even tougher to defend. They were a little too on the money with it. <laughs> yes. Here I am complaining about a movie and then real life comes proving it correctly. And I got to shut the hell up now. Well done. Thanks, uh -huh. government. 
This would never happen. Oh, shit. CNN. Wonderful. Okay. <laughs> I, I suppose it can. So, yeah, Goggins, I, I do like the, the way he got by the uh, initial guards where he makes a thud sound on the wall and there's a ski on the ground. Yeah, he like, took a ski and he slid it across as his distraction. I'm telling you, it was Nickelodeon-style thought <laughs> put into this movie. I'm going to distract you with a sliding ski, and then I'm just going to shoot you. Well, why not just shoot people? Yeah, it, it, it was this big elaborate plan. I guess maybe he pushed the lone ski down a hill, and it hit the compound you know the the guard shack or something and because they come out and they're investigating with their guns drawn they keep looking down at the ground sure let's go with that that's what trained military guys always do (laughs) well Uh, there's no way this could possibly be a distraction so i'm going to draw my gun on this inanimate object he ends up getting the drop on them they're dead these follow-up guys on snowmobiles are dead he takes a snowmobile gets up into the compound and we have a big uh drawn out Shootout in the snow between Santa and the skinny man. Yeah, a shootout. Santa is involved in a shootout. Yeah, they they square off at about, what, 100, 200 feet apart. He's using a 9 millimeter in what appears to be a classic Colt. A peacemaker. Well, you know, Santa's going to be old school, you know that. But he's got a little bit of old school, a little bit of new school. He's got the Glock and the and the Colt in there. And quite frankly, I mean, you got the U.S. military on there. I mean, how do you not have something, you know, laser sighted automatic rifle somewhere? You know, come on. But I guess not. No. <laughs> it was interesting too, where you know, initially Goggins gets into one of the main warehouses, shoots the place up. He kills every single military guy he comes across, but I don't think he dropped a single elf. No, he killed no elves. No elves were harmed in the making of this movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> the uh, the Humane Society signed off on this film, apparently. <laughs> is that the way it works? I don't know. Is there an equivalent? No dwarves were injured in the filming of this production. I don't know. Would, you would think he would be shooting everybody because he was so trigger happy. It was like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he just emptying his clips left and right and no elves were dropped. So, okay. But then eventually it all comes down to the big standoff in the snow. Now, this is pretty funny because they were shooting this part. I want to say they were up in Ottawa, you know, well, well north portions of Canada. It was 30 below outside when they were filming this scene. And Mel Gibson was not exactly attired in snow gear. He had on like, what, like a flannel shirt and one pullover jacket and a ski cap. Yeah, I don't know how they pulled this off. And and they said that, they they said Mel did that. It took him four days to film it. Yeah, four days of filming and he's barely covered. And they even said like when they would yell cut and stuff and, and, you know, tell him, you know, go to the warming tent, and he would just, you know, hang out with them. He's like, you guys are out there working, so am I. So It's all the whiskey. Props to Mel for that. You know, he one of the last movies I've covered of him, he was working down in Puerto Rico, so this is a pretty, uh, pretty far extreme of that. Yeah, it's probably all that whiskey and Alka-Seltzer he was taking. <laughs> I suppose a lot of antifreeze went on here. But, um, 
Yeah, they have this long, drawn-out shootout between the two of them, and they finally, you know, gradually start coming closer and closer together until they're face-to-face. And in pretty brutal fashion, he actually puts a cap in Santa. Puts a cap in Santa's ass. I mean, drops him right there in the snow. In his eye. Shoots him right in the eyeball. Right through the eye. But, and it's not really explained, I guess we just have to fill in the blanks and assume because this is Santa and he's magical and there's other properties involved. He can lose an eye, but the bullet traversing through the skull canal does not kill him. It cannot. It cannot. He, He is Santa. Okay. It's, I'm... Again, it's not explained, but I guess like so much of this film, it doesn't need to be. So he uh, he's shot prone in the snow. Goggins goes after Mrs. Claus. I guess he hits her at one point, but then she gets to drop on him in the house and she finishes him off. This would be, I guess, around the time where they make the hamster acquisition. It wasn't really shown until that little tag at the end. But then Santa is actually... Alive. Oh, yeah. You can't get rid of Santa. You can't keep a good elf down. Elf you up. Santa will elf you up. (laughs) That's right. Funny you say that. That's our show, folks. Thanks for being here. We'll talk to you later. I've got that on a shirt I wore for this holiday, by the way. What, Santa will elf you up? No, it's just, it's got some, like, ugly sweater insignia on it, and then it says, get elfed up. So, okay, I did. But then, um, yeah, we do get a uh, a, kind of a mordant-looking Santa. And Mrs. Santa, the closing scene is they walk up to Billy in his home, confront the kid that instigated all of this. And, uh, you know, I mean, the kid is doing everything. I I really expected him to be smoking a cigar because, you know, he told the maid, I don't want to be bothered. I'm doing stuff. And he's he's working on poisoning his grandmother because she found out about his check-kiting scam. So he stole her medication and he's like spiking milk with fentanyl. She's going to buy the farm as Billy kills her off this way. I did I guess, yeah, because the hitman's dead. He can't hire anybody else. He's going to take matters in his own hands. So he's mixing the milk and the fentanyl together. The maid comes in, and he's like, I thought I said I wanted to be left alone. It's like, listen, you're 12 years old. Shut the hell up, punk. But no, she just gives him a look, and then here comes Mrs. Claus, and then here comes Fat Man. Bandaged up, red bloody gauze over the eye, confronts Billy, pretty much tells him he's going to straighten his life out. In doing so, he takes off all his headgear, unwraps the bandages, and speaks directly into him, and he says, I'm going to keep my eye on you, kid. Because basically, that's all he can do. Yeah, he can't do anything else. They they tried to take, I guess Santa was going to go on the offense for bad kids instead of playing defense and just, uh, it's, you know what? I will totally, I got an idea for him. And if they're listening, which we know they're not, but they should be. (laughs) If the directors and the writers are listening to us right now, here is your sequel to Fat Man. I want you to make it just like Judge Dredd, where now Santa is both the judge and the jury. And (laughs) he doesn't wait till Christmas. That's the tagline. You don't wait till Christmas to get cold. Boom. Put it in the can. I would um... see that 3D. You Santa, Mel Gibson year. with one eye, chewing on a cigar, 
walking around, jumping down kid, into kids' chimneys like in the middle of June, slamming a hunk of coal into their fat, fat little faces. <laughs> He'll mark them with the coal, and they have one year to straighten things out, and if they don't, I'm coming for you, kid. That's right, and like he shows up like the ring, uh, and, and old Ruth comes crawling through the screen, and she just puts coal up on his head. You've been marked, and it just crawls back into the screen. Oh, no, I even got it better. Show him on a roof. He pulls out his list, and he's like, yep, I'm going for Gregory. Drops down the chimney, and then they cut to a scene in the living room, and Santa hits the ground in one of those marble landings, you know, on one knee and one fist. Boom. Big cloud of soot. <laughs> Where's Gregory? And comes marching into the house. And all these, oh, and he's he's riding like a majestic Rudolph. Like a, just a big old sloth, just like a, just... He's just breathing and just smoke and just looks. Oh yeah, and fantastic. have him outfitted um, like wearing like armor. Armament. Yeah, put armaments on him, kind of like the polar bears were in that one uh, kids movie. Heck yeah, the golden compass. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He's going to militarize Rudolph and uh, right up to the house. Do I'm it. coming for you, Gregory. I'm here for That's you. Right. <laughs> better yet, instead of making it coming after kids, make him come after the military. Santa versus the military. Now, see, mm. now we're getting into something. We don't have time. Show's over. We don't, we don't have time to fix all fix all their problems. But we we are at a good start. Yeah, we can uh, we can have a pitch meeting with the brothers here for their sequel. Like we got something for you. I want to and starring Burt Gummer. He put Burt Gummer in there. <laughs> we're good. We'll uh, we'll have my people talk to Michael Gross's people. <laughs> Well, <laughs> on that note, that was Fat Man. Um, there won't be much of a debate on whether or not this is a Christmas movie, because it definitely is. Will it be as popular and rewatched? I'm dubious about that. No, do yourself a favor. Skip Fat Man. Go watch the Santa, the, what is it, the Santa Claus Chronicles or the Santa Chronicles 2 with uh, Kurt Russell. Much, it's a much more, it's a, it, it knows what it is and it doesn't care. It's a, it's mm -hmm. more, it's more fun in my opinion. Another one I'd recommend too is one I picked up this year, which was Santa Jaws. What? Did you catch that one? No, I feel, I feel cheated that you didn't tell me about that. Oh, I thought I had, dude. Oh, I feel horrible now. Yeah. There's a, there's a shark that's uh kind of terrorizing a town there, there's something where a kid's got this magical ability that he can draw on paper and that will somehow come to life but there's also this active shark going on the great thing is one of the early scenes a guy is adorned in santa he's like a storefront santa but he's going to do something at his boat falls off a dock the shark gets him and you see his hat floating on the surface and then it slowly descends out of camera range into the water and for the balance of the movie, the shark is wearing it on his dorsal fin. <laughs> that's amazing. So, yeah, that's uh, that's a thing. <laughs> that is amazing. Definitely recommend that one for the holidays if you're in a demented mood. So, Paul, I got to say, it's been a long hiatus, but I'm glad we're back at it. And we're going to be uh, delving into this uh, hopefully better year of 2021 going forward i don't know yet if we're going to have much in theaters we can bounce off of, so we're going to have to get creative with our titles going forward but uh we're back we're as disturbed as ever so i hope it's as entertaining for everybody and 
check us back in two weeks and we will have uh, some more bent movie titles. I'm going to try to get a little bit more active on our Twitter feed as well now that we're back so I can keep everybody abreast of what's happening. So, Paul, where can everybody find you apart from our fine broadcast? I'm still bumping around at Screen Rant, and uh, you can always find me online at Movie Paul. And myself, I'm all over the uh, digital landscape. You can see me at Red State, at Town Hall, at Twitchy. You can see me at Twitter, at Martini Shark. And if you're here at KLRN, you can also hear me every Tuesday with the fair maiden Aggie Reekin for our cocktail lounge show. And on opposite weeks here on Thursdays, I'll be with Ordy Packard on the culture shift. So thank you, everybody, for coming back to us. And we will see you in a fortnight. Happy New Year. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.